Hi everyone, as Matt said in the welcome, um, you were meant to be having him preaching to you this morning, but instead you've got me. Hope that hope that's okay with you. We're going to be jumping into the book of Galatians together, which I'm really, really excited for. So you can grab your Bibles and get ready for that. We're going to be reading uh, mainly from chapter 1 of Galatians. We're going to hop around a little bit and pull another couple of verses out from different chapters. So get that ready. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to pray. Yeah, Father God, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is a living word, that it is always speaking to us in new and exciting ways. God, thank you for all that Matt um, has been has been pulling out of, of scripture recently and teaching us about all kinds of different things. Thank you that you're a God who is always speaking to your people. And that is my prayer um, for, for this message, for this service. God, would we hear you speak? God, either through me or in spite of me, please speak to your people this morning. We will love you, Jesus, um, and we want to hear from you. Amen. Great. Um, so if you've got your Bibles ready, then get ready with Galatians chapter 1. But if you haven't, don't worry, it will come up on the screen as well. So here we go, Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in galatia grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our god and father to whom be glory for ever and ever amen i am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Pretty, pretty good opening chapter to Galatians. I really like that. I've really been enjoying reading the letters recently. I've loved what Matt's been pulling out of uh, Romans and, and the two Corinthians letters. Uh, and this one is no exception. It is brilliant. I love Paul. Who doesn't love Paul? Um, he is incredible and the stuff that he writes is brilliant. I love the 
There are so many layers to the stuff that he writes. You can read it for the first time with no background information and be amazed by some of the stuff that you read and get loads out of it. Or you can read it a hundred times with all the background information, all of the historical context, and still keep digging and keep finding more and more incredible stuff in what he writes. Um, and one thing that I really love about Paul and about his letters is uh, the way that he introduces them, the way that he starts them. And this is pretty consistent through all of Paul's letters. Um, he either intros the, the, the pretty much word for word what we've just read or something very, very similar at the start of each of them. Let me just read uh, the first two verses to you. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Just, just the first verse. Sorry, I lied. Not two verses. Um, I love the way that Paul introduces himself. If you asked someone to introduce themselves, if I asked you to introduce yourself to me, you might tell me your name, you might tell me uh, your occupation, you might tell me where you live, a bit about your family, something like that. And Paul does that, but he only gives us three words. He's very brief. He's like, Paul, an apostle. That's how he starts. And then the rest of the sentence is kind of like him saying, this is who I am, Paul an apostle, but this is who I really am. This is the main chunk of my identity, the fact that I am sent, not by a man, I am sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father. That was the main thing that Paul wanted to get across about who he was. I think that is so incredible. I love the way that he does that consistently across all of his letters. From the start, he's like, I am all about Jesus. Yeah, I am Paul. Yeah, I'm an apostle. I am all about Jesus. That is the main thing for me. I love that. And if we read uh, verses sort of three, four and five, it says to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, that to me sounds like the gospel summed up in three verses, which I think is really, really cool. I love, again, similar to what I just said, but this is where he starts his whole letter. And this letter in particular does have a gospel theme for it, which we'll get into in a bit. Um, but he always starts this way. He always starts with the gospel of Jesus. And we think of Paul of having this crazy, rich theological knowledge. And yeah, sure, he did. And sometimes we think of it being unattainable for us. But when we look at Paul and we trace back his thinking and the way that he unpacks stuff, actually it's quite simple because he starts with the very simple gospel of Jesus. The fact that Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us and we can know him now. That's where Paul starts every single time. And sometimes I try not overcomplicate things. Sometimes, like when I sit down to write a preach like this, I end up being like, oh my word, there's so much stuff that I want to include. I don't really know where to start. I don't know what to do. And I need to tell myself, sometimes Matt tells me as well, don't overcomplicate it. Start with Jesus, unpack from there and finish with Jesus. Because that is what matters. That is what important. That is what is what is important, and that is what Paul does here. And we can learn so much from him. And there's a challenge already. Whether Paul meant it as a challenge, I think it's a, it's a challenge. Early on in these first few verses of this letter of Galatians, we can challenge ourselves to think about: Well, what is our identity rooted in? What is the main thing that I want people to know about me? Where is the place that I start with my theology? Do I try and overcomplicate things or do I just start with the gospel of Jesus? Start with him, unpack from there, build from there. I really love that about him. 
Now, recently, uh, I've just been reminded of the fact that sometimes uh, in church, we, we hear things lots, don't we? Especially if you've been in church for a number of years, since you were a kid, in Sunday school. There are some things that are uh, quite fundamental things of our faith that we hear time and time and time again. And they are amazing things. They are brilliant, amazing truths about Jesus, about God, about church, about all of it. Um, but sometimes I think that, that we hear this stuff so much that we allow it to go a little bit stale in us, a little bit uh, numb, and we, we forget the incredible truth that we're hearing because we've just heard it so many times. And then every now and then, we suddenly get hit by it again like it's the first time, like, woof, oh my word, how does it not hit me like this every time I hear it? And we're back into this place of awe and wonder, and oh my word, Jesus, aren't you amazing? Aren't these simple truths amazing? Hopefully you know what I'm talking about, and it's not just me that that happens to. Um, but that's happened to me recently, and, and the way it's happened is this. Uh, we hear all the time, and we constantly tell ourselves, and we constantly say in church, about the relevance of Scripture about how uh, it is really relevant to our lives. And that was one thing that had become quite, I'd let it become quite stale in me. Uh, and I'd read it and I'd be like, oh great, yeah, relevant, relevant, relevant. And suddenly, as we were reading these letters, it's just hit me again. Like, oh my word, this stuff, I could lift it right up and I could get rid of to the churches in Galatia and I could rewrite it to Jacob or to Counterslip Church or to the church in Bristol or to the church in the world. You could widen it as much as you want. And people often say, I've heard it said lots of times that, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And I, I agree with the thinking now. I see the line of thought. But sometimes I think it might as well be written to us. Paul might as well be alive today and be writing this letter to me, to our church, to whoever. Because it is so, so incredible. And one of the reasons that has triggered me thinking this about this relevance of, of what we read uh, is here in verses 6 and 7, which I'll just read to you now. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. We're going to unpack that and why I think that's relevant to our church. But first, let me just give you a little bit of sort of context of why Paul is writing this to the Galatians in particular. Now, uh, Paul had obviously visited the region of Galatia. He planted churches there. He preached the gospel there. He baptized lots of people there. It was really, really cool. And, and, and the church was really growing. The Christian faith was really growing there in Galatia. But obviously, he's heard that they've accepted this, this slightly different gospel, This, as he, as he put it, puts it, perverted gospel that is not what he was teaching them. And the reason that this happened is because there was this group of people who were called the Judaizers, which is actually quite a quite a cool name, I think, <laughs> for a group of people. And they were they were interesting because they were preaching a different gospel, but on face value, it seems pretty similar. Because they were people of Jewish background, um, but who were very happy to accept that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Messiah, that you can be saved through Jesus. So to begin with, you're like, well, he's, they're saying the same thing that Paul was saying. What they also did was they heaped a bunch of other stuff on top of what Paul had preached, the gospel that Paul had preached, which basically was just uh, all of the, the Jewish law, the Jewish traditions, the Levitical law that had been in place for years and years and years. They were saying, yeah, you can have Jesus as your saviour. But when they were speaking to Gentiles, people who weren't of Jewish background, like the guys in Galatia, they would say, you can, you can accept Jesus as your saviour and you can be saved through him. But also, you should probably adopt these traditions, these laws, these things. You probably get circumcised, all of that stuff. They were preaching that very much as well. 
And there are a number of reasons they had their own little gospel and their own little changes to, to the stuff that Paul had said. Um, and if you check uh, verse, no, chapter 4, verse 17 of Galatians, uh, there's one thing that Paul says that he thinks is the reason what they're doing, what they're doing. Um, it says this, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. So what Paul is essentially saying there is, they're doing it for their own gain. They want to be famous. They want their own little club that's different from everyone else. And they, and they have on their own thing. And they want you to, to like them rather than to like Jesus, like we've preached to you. Another reason that um, that they were doing this is because, uh, as, as I'm sure you're aware, at this time, as the Christian faith was growing, as the church was growing, there was heavy persecution from the Jewish leadership who were not on board with what was going on, did not think Jesus was who he said he was, and they were persecuting the church. They were uh, arresting them, killing them. It was, it was really horrific for the church. Um, and I guess the, the Judaizers were thinking, well, if we uh, adopt some of these Jewish traditions and laws that we've had for years and years, maybe we're not going to get persecuted as much. We're not going to get arrested. We're not going to get killed. And they twist the gospel of Jesus. And Paul, as we've just read, is really frustrated about that. He's really frustrated that it's worked, that the, the, the Galatians have, have, have bought into this stuff. And he says, I mean, quite, quite uh, severely, let them be under God's curse. He feels really strongly about this. And the reason he feels really strongly about it is because he feels as if they've missed the point of the gospel of Jesus. They've missed the point of, of what he's been preaching to them, what he's been teaching them, and what he's tried to sort of instill and, and get them to learn and, and grow them and root themselves in. And he, he sums this up quite well in, in chapter 3, uh, in verses 23 to 29. I'll just read those for you now. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So what, what Paul is getting at here, what I see that he's getting at here, is, is that he's basically saying, we had the law for a reason. There were transgressions of the past, and people needed a way to reconcile themselves with God, and come to him, and be with him, and know him. And the way that God gave them to do that was the law. So that was what they, he calls it the guardian. It was what they needed in order to be with God, in order to have a relationship with him. But what Paul then is saying is basically, now Jesus has come, we know God through Jesus. We actually don't have a need for this law anymore. Because of what Jesus has done, we can know God through him. And you're missing the point, but you're missing the amazingness of that. And you're still relying on all this stuff that we don't have uh, a need for anymore because of Jesus. So the Judaizers were preaching this new gospel, this modified, twisted gospel that they'd come up with. And as we've said, Paul was really, really frustrated by that. Um, and, and the bit we read a minute ago, uh, he, he says this, uh, you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. So their gospel, he's saying, is not a gospel. But I guess to figure out what he's actually talking about here, we probably need to dig down a little bit into this word gospel and what it actually means uh, and where it comes from and what's going on there. Because I don't know, about you but for me 
because we don't really hear this word outside of church, I sometimes let myself believe that we've trademarked the word almost like gospel can only possibly mean gospel of Jesus Christ. But of course, that's not true because it's just a word, just a word gospel. So we're going to take a look at some uh, the translations in Greek and Hebrew for this word gospel. And now I know what you're thinking. We don't really hear the word gospel uh, in the Old Testament. So why would you bother with a Hebrew word? Well, it has a very similar meaning. There, it, there is a word in the Hebrew that is translated often as good news, good tidings, which of course is what gospel means. So we're going to look at that word as well. That word in the Hebrew is besorah, which as I say, often is translated as good news, good tidings, and sometimes as reward. And now reward didn't mean the same thing for them that it means for us. Reward we often think of in the modern context of sort of like something you earn. If I do this, I will earn a reward. But that's not really what it meant for people of those days. It was more of a something that was bestowed upon you. I guess you could use the word gift possibly, but a reward, a reward was something that was freely bestowed upon you. And if we look then at the Greek, which of course is what Paul would have been writing in, uh, we have this word for gospel, which is euangelion. It's a fun word to say, you should give it a try. Um, it's, it means pretty much the same thing. It means good tidings, good news, and it is most commonly translated either as gospel or as good news. That is the word that we have there. And suddenly this sentence that Paul writes seems to make a lot more sense to me, maybe it does for you as well, if we substitute it in for good news. Uh, uh, you are uh, deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different good news, which is really no good news at all. For me, that really helps me to understand what Paul is getting at. And uh, if we look at verses sort of 10, 11 and 12, we see exactly why Paul is saying your good news that you've accepted now isn't good news. It's not the same as what we were preaching to you about Jesus. Let's just read those, those three verses, 10, 11, and 12. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So what he's saying is the gospel that you've accepted has been uh, made up by humans. It's taken short, it's taken a little bit of Jesus' gospel, but actually they've created this mishmash of different traditions and views and gospel and whatever, and they've made their own thing. They've made their own gospel. Theirs is based on human reasoning and human understanding. And what he's saying is the gospel that I preached to you, the gospel of Jesus, is not like that. It's not of human origin. It's not based off human understanding. It's based off of Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for us. And that's exactly why it's good news. It is good news because it is built on Jesus and it's not built on human stuff. Because if we look through the Bible historically, the times that humans get to make their own decisions, the time that humans are given control, the time that humans go their own way, it never ends well. In the Old Testament, uh, when the Israelites said to God, we want a human king. We, want, we don't want you as our king. We want a human king. God said, okay, well, it's not going to end well for you guys. They were like, no, 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 we want it still. We want it anyway. And surprise, surprise, it didn't end well. When humans go off and make their own idols, their own gods, it doesn't end well for them. When humans uh, were given the Messiah, what did they do with him? They killed him. Humans historically don't make good decisions compared to the stuff that God does, what God says, and what God is about. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, uh, Jacob, a minute ago, you said you felt this little bit that we're talking about was really relevant to the church day and really relevant to us, uh, but you haven't said why, and thank you for reminding me, because I'm going to do that now. Um, here's why I think it is so relevant to the church today, because we do the exact same thing. So many of us in the world, within the church, uh, we, we buy into these other gospels that actually aren't the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me give you an example. In the world today, there is this really commonly accepted concept, way of life, gospel, uh, which says, oh, you're in charge. You do whatever you want. You be whoever you want. You say whatever you want. You need to constantly be searching yourself to figure out who you are. Otherwise, you're oppressing yourself. Um, and that will lead to true happiness and true freedom and true joy. Uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't. People, so many people are buying into this way of living around the world. And what we're seeing is rates of depression, rates of anxiety, mental health issues, all kinds of things are skyrocketing because people are discovering that this way of living does not lead to, to joy and happiness and freedom and fullness of life at all. Compared to Jesus, of course it doesn't. His way is the only way that does that. And you might think that's okay, Jake, because that's out in the world, but we're in the church. We don't do that. Actually, I think Within the church, we still buy into all kinds of false gospels uh, that are built on human reasoning, human understanding, and human origin. For example, sometimes we convince ourselves that if I serve on this team, this team, this team, this team, and I do this, and I uh, constantly give up my Sundays, and I give up my free time to serve on this team, and this team, and this team, then I can earn my salvation, I'll be a better Christian. But that is not what Jesus says. That is not what Jesus promises us. That is not the way that Jesus tells us to live. If we start believing that it's based on what we do, then we've gone wrong. We've messed up. Sometimes we allow ourselves to believe that we need to establish a good, a good reputation for ourselves in our community. We sometimes we think, oh, it'd be great if Counterstep had a really good reputation in the community. But it's not about our reputation. It's about Jesus' reputation in the community. We should be people who are about bringing glory to his name rather than to our own. First and foremost, that is what we should be about. And if we serve on teams, if we serve in our community in different ways, it should be out of a desire to see people uh, come to know Jesus, to glorify him and expect people to be like, wow, that is incredible. I want more of that. It's not about us. It's never been about us. It's always been about him. And it's always been about what he has done for us. If it ever becomes about something else for us, then we have gone wrong. And that is the simple truth. If it ever becomes about anything other than the fact and the knowledge that Jesus has died for us, that he has died for our sins, he died that we might know him now and have a relationship with him now. If it becomes ever more complicated than that, then we've gone wrong then we've gone wrong. If it becomes about our own stuff, what we can do, if it becomes about our own reputation, our own fame, our own glory, then we've gone wrong and we need to be aware of that. I really hope that what I've shared with you today from Galatians, my, my thoughts, my ramblings, whatever you want to call it, I hope that it's been uh, challenging, encouraging, interesting to you, any of those words fit. Um, and it's really been challenging to me to be thinking about this stuff this week, to be thinking about what I'm rooting myself in. Where's my starting point? Uh, what am I about? Just like Paul, I want to be just like Paul at the start, uh, saying, yeah, I'm Paul, I'm an apostle, but I'm about Jesus. I'm sent by Jesus. 
And actually the start of my theology, the start of my thinking, the start of the way that I live my life is going to always be rooted in this gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. It's not going to be rooted in something of human origin, of human design, of human understanding. And I want to always be challenging myself to, to, to recognise when I don't do that, when I do put my roots in something of my own, my own making up, my own origin, my own understanding, because that's going to fall short, because humans fall short. The only thing that is good, the only thing that leads to freedom and to joy and to fullness of life is Jesus and his gospel.